You're listening to the Solo to CEO podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Solo to CEO podcast, where we provide a mix of powerful, thought-provoking, and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to CEO of a high-impact, wealth-generating business. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here with Beth McDaniel, attorney and founder of the Law Offices of Beth A. McDaniel. The Law Offices of Beth A. McDaniel are located in Renton and Bellevue, Washington, and are focused on providing probate, estate planning, wills and trusts, guardianship, and elder law services. Welcome, Beth. I'm so happy to have you here today on the Solo to CEO podcast. Thank you, Davina. Uh, It's a pleasure being here. Good. So tell us uh, a little bit more about the law offices of Beth McDaniel. So um, we were founded in 2002, and uh, our primary focus uh, is estate planning. Um, as you mentioned, we do a lot of probate, so helping families navigate um, the court system after a loved one dies. Guardianship um, for, for adults. Um, a lot of uh, parents of developmentally disabled child who petition for guardianship when the child uh, turns 18, or elders who need a guardian for whatever reason. Uh, and then also trust administration, um, elder law, um, some Medicaid plans. Give me an idea of the, the size of your firm. Is it is it just you or do you have other people working with you or? You know, it's funny. Sometimes I have to kind of count um, bodies in the desks um, to come <laughs> up with a number. But um, right now uh, we have there, there's six on my staff. And so that uh, consists of uh, a part-time office manager, a full-time receptionist, a full-time guardianship paralegal, a part-time probate paralegal, uh, a full-time estate planning elder law paralegal, and then a part-time legal assistant. Okay, so you've been you've been doing this quite a while, and you've grown to pretty substantial size uh, firm. So since two thousand and two, what? How long have you been practicing? Well, I became a member of the bar in um, June uh, 1995, and um, my intent then was that I was going to be a mediator, and that's why. I, and when I when I was in college, um, there was a working women ma- magazine. I don't even know if that's um, or working mother or something magazine. I don't even know if it's out there anymore, but it had the mm-hmm. 10 hottest careers for that year and mediator was one of them. And I said, this is, this is me. This is what I'm going to do. And so I did a lot of informational interviewing and everything kind of pointed towards law school. And so I went to law school and then, um, down in, um, Malibu, California at Pepperdine, came back to Seattle and I was like, okay, here I am. I'm going to be a mediator. And, um, it turned out to be a little bit more tricky than I anticipated. Um, at one point, I was volunteering for um, six different nonprofits who did mediation. And oh, wow. if I could have made a career out of that, you know, that would have been great. Um, I worked for a mediator um, who's still in practice. Um, I also worked for a nonprofit that did mediation. But um, around um, two, or actually, there was a, um, an act that went to effect in Washington in 2000, it was a Trust and Estate Dispute Resolution Act. And under that act, you know, you could be a mediator if you'd had five years of experience. And so I thought, okay, I need to get five years substantive experience uh, in order to do this. And so I um, quit 
a dispute resolution firm, um, not having a job in a very poor um, time of the economy. At the time, I was a newlywed and had the support of my husband to leave, but I didn't realize I would be, it'd take 11 months for me to land a position. Um, and so my job at that point was networking, um, you know, interview informationally interview someone and say, you know, hey, do you, do you know three people I should talk to? Then I talk to them and ask the same thing. And so one of the um, fellows who I had uh, interviewed um, had a small estate planning firm. And I talked to him and he said, oh, you know, shoot, I just hired someone. But talk to me in uh, 10 months, you know, I'll be ready probably to add another attorney. And so I finally got the courage, uh, the courage to call him back. And the attorney that he had hired hadn't worked out. Um, she apparently liked looking at shoes more than she did practicing law. Um, but um, anyway, so he, they were very careful. I think I had about five interviews with them. And so I interviewed with that firm, got a position. And then I was there for um, just under four years. And um, basically we parted ways. Uh, mm-hmm. And at that time, I had um, already, and another attorney and I at that point, you know, because things were a little bit uncertain at that firm, um, he and I were talking about going out on our own. And so we had set up a lunch um, with an attorney to kind of, you know, pick a brain about that. And so I went to the lunch alone. And she said, well, you know, come office with me for the summer, and which I did. And then a month later, I ran into an attorney at a continuing legal education program, and um, and he made a snarky comment about my firm, and I said, "I'm not, I'm not there anymore." And so he, long story short, we had breakfast the next morning, and he said, "In my book, you know, for, I have a book for my wife uh, in case something happens to me," and he said, "In that book, you know, it says call Beth McDaniel." And so he said, um, "You know, I want you to office with me. I'm going to retire in five years." And wow. so that seemed like a really, he was an estate planner uh, in Renton. That seemed like a really good opportunity. And at the time, it was less than two miles um, from our home. Um, and I like to say that at that time, my husband and I were really into the show Survivor. And so uh-huh. I could leave the office at eight o'clock at night and still be home in time for Survivor. <laughs> you know, by the time the commercial was <laughs> that over. That was the goal. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, so, as I mentioned, he was said he was going to retire, and so initially, and so I I went through the motions of um, setting up my own firm. Um, I asked, and he gave me permission, you know, to kind of use his logo because I thought, you know, if I if he's going to retire, you know, that way there'll be consistency for the clients. Um, and I I used his, you know, the same billing software he used, and initially um, I was using his paralegals. And um, when he found out I was billing um, my clients for that same work at a higher rate, he increased the rate. And at that point, it, be, it was, you know, prohibitive. And so I ended up hiring a paralegal. And then um, she said that she was, you know, too busy. And so they hired a, a legal assistant. Um, and then I took on a professional guardian who had about 25 cases. And I brought on a part-time paralegal to assist with her cases, and I didn't have space, so she worked out of her home. In the meantime, you know, the five years came around, and I uh, asked my office mate about his plans for retirement, and he just kind of laughed at me. And so he's he's still practicing to this day. Um, oh, and wow. Then our, 
Yeah, and he's, you know, I was thinking about that. My daughter's 11, and, and at his 60th birthday, you know, I had a sonogram picture of her. So he's into his 70s yet. Um, so, but then we were in a building that was not elder-friendly. Um, there was a, instead of a ramp, there was a lift. And so we had to tell clients, you know, when you get to our office in your wheelchair, you know, call us and then we'll come back down and operate this lift for you. Um, so, it's, you know, it rains a lot in, in Seattle, so that's not practical. And mm-hmm. there was no signage for the lift. And so, you know, and there's two entrances to the building. You know, the only handicapped restroom was in the in the basement, you know, on and on and on. And so I really um, had a tug that I wanted um, to buy a building for my practice. And I looked at this, I, for whatever reason, I had my eye on this um, little house with a picket fence. Um, and it went on the market and uh, toured it and realized that it was impractical because the largest room in the house was the kitchen. <laughs> um, and, and so it didn't really work. But then I hired a realtor and I found an um, office building that was less than a mile from my office building. And it had been completely um, updated by the prior tenant who was a real estate agent and her husband was a contractor. And so we ended up um, buying that, my husband and I, and it was great because we just had to clean the carpets and do touch-up paint. Um, and right. so we moved into this building um, nine years ago this month. Oh, wow. And at the time, I was going to just, you know, thought, oh, I would save the expense and not have a you know, receptionist. But my first um, job, job at a college, I took a two-year break between um, college and law school as a receptionist. And just from watching the uh, receptionist in our shared office, you know, how important that role is. And so out of the gate, I hired a receptionist and um, we haven't looked back. Wow. Wow. So that is quite a journey and quite a story. Um, You know, and I see that you have really in once you started practicing in this area, you have really gone all in on this in this area of your practice, you are, um, you're actually certified um, as an elder law attorney through the National Elder Law Foundation, which is uh, a national organization that certifies practitioners in elder and special needs law. And you're also accredited through the Veterans Administration. So you really are all in as an elder law attorney, special needs attorney, and so it's not it's not like you just kind of started practicing in this area because you were hired, you know, you found a job in this area and you were hired in it. You really found a passion and a love for it. Tell me what it is that you really like about doing this kind of work. Well, I, th- I think a couple of things. One is, um, you know, I really enjoyed my wills and trusts um, course in law school. I remember it. And, you know, I, I'm very um, family oriented. Um, I think a lot of people in this area have have um, had close um, relationships with relatives, and that was certainly the case for me. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my grandmothers lived well into my into their nineties, um, mm-hmm. and so you know just those close relationships. And I, part of it, you know, I'm not going to lie, um, just knowing. Um, have you have you heard the term silver tsunami? Yes, uh, I live in Florida, okay. so. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, you are. Basically, that's the okay. These baby boomers, you know, they're going to, you know, get old, and they're and they're older. They're going to age, like we all are, God willing. 
And so they're going to need services. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it's very important um, that you're passionate about your area of the law. And of course, I chose an area, area of law where you need to know um, a lot about several, you know, different areas to be effective. But, um, you know, that keeps me on my toes and, and keeps me challenged. And yes, with the certification um, that my former office made, and I ironically, I think are the only um, attorneys in our county have gotten that certification, and there's many, many attorneys in our county. And that was just a goal of mine, and I kept putting it off, kept putting it off. Uh, well, well, first, again, it needs the five years, and so that seemed like such a lifetime, but then, you know, life just gets in the way. And so a friend of mine who was the uh, president of National Law Foundation, he finally just kind of said, you know, pay your money and study. And so that's what I did. And, and thankfully, um, five years ago, I did attain that certification. Yeah. And how has it benefited you in your practice? That's a good question. I mean, there are some very um, reputable um, elder law attorneys uh, in Washington. I think if I looked, only eight or 10 of us um, are have gotten that certification. So I think the main way that it's helped me um, has been, you know, with regard to um, referrals from out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think, um, you know, because like for me, when I if I'm looking for attorney in Florida, and if I don't know anyone, I do know some attorneys in Florida, of course, but if I don't know anyone, it's like, okay, you know, anyone can pay their dues, you know, to the um, National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. That's the directory I use. But mm-hmm. to be a certified lawyer, you know, you're you're serious about that profession. And then I think too, um, a lot of my uh, clients find me online, and so I think hopefully that gives them confidence um, right. that I am, you know, competent um, with regard to, you know, what they need. Right. Right. So talk to me about your um, your law practice and having your own law practice and what that has meant for you. I you talk going back to your journey from mediator to lawyer. I want to explore that a little bit um, because I find it interesting that you sort of um, you sort of fell into being a, an attorney. You thought you were going to be this mediator and. I find it particularly interesting that you started out being a volunteer mediator <laughs> because volunteers yeah. don't really make any money <laughs> or very much no. money, right? And so no. making a career of that is kind of difficult. It's kind of hard to pay the bills on, you know, volunteer work. And um, so when did you, you know, you had that moment where the, the light bulb came on and you're like, okay, this really isn't working. <laughs> And we need to do something different. What was that like for you? Well, you know, I knew that I wanted to, you know, get additional education. I just didn't know in what. And, you know, I I got it. I mean, going to law school, I mean, that was always, you know, on my mind a little bit. Um, I, not to date myself, I was really young at the time, but um, I, I read somewhere that there was a bump um, in law school applications because of L.A. Law, that show. Right. Uh, and so, I mean, that might be part of it. And of course, you know, growing up, you know, especially for my mom, you know, she, you know, she'd say several times, you need to go to law school because you've never lost an argument. And so yeah. it wasn't beyond the realm. But um, I did, you know, when I was doing volunteer mediation, I, I did a fair amount of parenting plan mediations, you know, where 
trying to negotiate 11 a.m. on Christmas Eve versus noon on Christmas Eve. And right. at the, I'd, go, I'd go home, I'd tell my husband, when we have kids, you know, we can't be divorced. I hope you know that. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was just very, um, I don't know, it, it took a lot out of me. And so, and I, and I could kind of see that if I were to go into private practice, that I would probably be doing a fair amount of that. Granted, now that's not that that's not a very important work. But, um, and so I, of course, have participated in several mediations um, as, you know, representing a, a party. Um, mm -hmm. But I, to me, I, I kind of feel like I use those um, skills every day, um, you know, because like most every attorney, you know, you're doing a lot of active listening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, that's, that's what I do. And, you know, asking the right questions and, you know, spotting issues. And so um, even if I'm not a, you know, a full-time mediator, I, I feel like I, I am using my skills. Right. Right. And do you, so you don't, you, you still are functioning, you still are using a lot of your mediation skills. The thing you're still, you still feel like you're, able to function, get the same joy that you would get out of being a mediator doing this, practicing this kind of law. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I, my practice is not without conflict, you know, whether it would be between siblings, between a mother and a sibling, you know, between, you know, other parties. And so, yeah, there, even if it's not, um, you know, pure med mediation per se, you know, there's, you know, negotiation and, um, you know, collaboration, you know, going on all the time. So yeah, definitely um, was a beneficial background for sure. So how did you, did you have any hesitation about having your own, uh, about starting your own practice and any, any fear around starting your own practice and being responsible for creating your own income? I know you mentioned um, to me earlier that you were kind of a master networker at this point, by that point. Yes. And that certainly helped, um, especially because my, even though, you know, things were um, up and down with my um, law, you know, prior law firm, you know, oh, we have enough to make, make payroll. We don't have enough to make payroll, you know, just, um, you know, and I, and I tried everything I could, you know, to, to contribute financially to the firm. Um, I was naive in the sense that I did not um, have a client list that I maintained. Um, mm -hmm. what's, what saved me was I had these spiral voicemail logs. And so, you know, if anyone left me a, a voicemail, a message, I would, you know, write that down in a log. And so those were invaluable to me, you know, because then I could go back and call people and tell me, you know, tell them where I was. Um, and some clients went with me, you know, which, which gave me some confidence because, and I'm sure this happens all the time, but, um, you know, people would call my firm, my former firm and ask for me and they'd say, oh, she left suddenly. We don't know where she went, um, yeah. which, which is very disappointing that they would do that. But so I did have, you know, a, a small book of clients initially, which gave me confidence. And, you know, I, I didn't really see it as going on practice. I thought it was kind of a temporary gig, you know, because then I would absorb um, my office mates uh, practice. And I think ultimately that worked out for the best because I ended up to be too busy, you know, to have had to handle his clients. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I never took a business class, even though I grew up, you know, in a family business, I never took a business class because, you know, I was going to practice law, you know, or be a mediator. I wasn't going to go into business. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I have, you know, made some mistakes, you know, along the way uh, in that because, um, you know, as you as you talk about in your show, there's um, working in your practice and on your practice. Right. So, so yeah. Uh, but one thing that that um, I mentioned, I office at a firm for. Um, so I left my firm on May 17th, 2002, and then on June, June, July, and August of that year, I officed um, at a firm. And the, it was a husband and wife um, co-owners, and the husband made the comment, you know, after a month, you know, you'll, you'll be so busy, you know, you won't look back. And so even though it was a little, you know, scary initially, you know, is anyone going to call me? Um, what he said was true, you know, that I, be, I became busy um, and I haven't looked back. Um, wow, you know, we have a, funny. and it's, and it's humbling, you know, when people drive, you know, from, a, you know, fair distance to see me. Um, and a lot of our clients, um, don't want to get navigate, you know, downtown Seattle, but yeah, I, I, I feel really fortunate because although I did a lot of, you know, marketing and, um, networking next, next month, um, I've been inconsistent about that. And so it's just a, um, privilege, you know, that I, that I have, you know, been consistent, um, you know, with regard to um, the income for the firm. It's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that truly is a, you know, that's a wonderful success story to have had that, you know, um, pretty much within a month of opening, you know, the clients are coming and, and that you've had that sort of steady business. So that's, that's fabulous. Um, tell me what, uh, what are some of the challenges you've experienced in growing your practice? What are some of the things along the way that you, um, in growing your business that you think have been the most challenging? Uh, well, definitely staff. I mean, that's the, the most wonderful thing and that's the hardest thing, you know, cause mm-hmm. you have to have a good team, um, who, you know, you, they, you give them a task and they say, I'll do it, you know, that you have to be confident, you know, that they'll, you know, follow up. Um, that would be it. And, um, I've had, um, some personal challenges. Um, I, it's my goal, <laughs> I'm a very goal-oriented person. And, you know, if one door um, shuts, you know, you know, okay, let's try the next door kind of thing. But I'm mm. um, having children took a little bit longer than it, than anticipated, but, um, about a six-year process, but, you know, I was thankful that I, you know, had, um, I, amazingly, that I was able to, you know, pay my expenses and, um, you know, pay my paralegal, you know, during the, you know, I took about a six-week um, maternity leave, you know, with, with both kids, but, um, and then also, um, I, I've, I've heard this expression, and, and I, I tend to believe it, um, I had a, a, a it, issue with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a cancer of the follicular system. And mm. I've heard um, people say, oh, I gave myself cancer. Um, and I, I think that was probably true to me. You know, it was, uh, 2013 was a really um, stressful year for me. Um, I had an issue with a client um, that was trying to wrap up a, a contract with the state. And it wasn't a good situation because the um, state really wanted this gal to leave, lose her license and it got sent to a commissioner and, you know, she did not like my client and subsequently did not like me. So, it's, and she had about 25 cases that we're trying to get rid of. And, um, my staff 
said, you know, get out of it. Oh, no, no, no. You know, I, I can do it. And, you know, got to care for these, you know, people that need, you know, new, new guardians, et cetera. And um, I knew I was on a stressful path. And I thought, you know, the worst thing that can happen is uh, um, I'll get an ulcer and then I'll stop. And I, I didn't understand inflammation and, and cancer. And, you know, because I've been pretty blessed and haven't um, been directly, you know, I've had a few aunts have had um, non-Hodgkin's or breast cancer, but really haven't directly been affected by cancer, even though a lot of my clients have it. But um, I'm now in remission. That's, that's the good news. But um, yeah. anyhow, so, so because of my health, um, which, and I've heard that that's the ultimate wake-up call, and I truly believe that, um, I was kind of an autopilot a little bit. And so um, I, you know, had an office manager that I was trusting to get things done. And now, you know, here we are three, three years out and we're seeing that things, you know, didn't get done, you know, like she had done some accountings um, improperly and some guardianship cases. And so now we're you know, having needing to fix those on our nickel. Um, we just got a something from the IRS from, you know, three years ago, you know, one for 600, one for a thousand, that's some things that weren't filed properly. So I don't know um, what, how I could have done that in hindsight differently other than I should have listened, you know? Right. Um, so, right. That, Some, yeah. Sometimes we take on, we, we, we get into that place of we're, we're just going to power through. I mean, it's the, it's the curse yeah. of high achieving women. It is the curse of high achieving women. We just yeah. think that we are super women I can do and it. we're going to yeah. power through it. And yeah. You know, it's and we I don't do listen yeah. to all of the clues that are there, you know, and, uh, and until we're just worn out from it, you know, until our body says to us, <laughs> we're, well, no, you don't understand. You're stopping now. <laughs> exactly. You know? and that was yeah. my case. And, um, and that's a, another lesson I, I, when I think back, like if I were giving to a new attorney, um, and that is that um, if you start to feel sorry for a client, you need to get out, mm-hmm. you know, because sorry is not going to pay your bills. <laughs> right. You know, right. I, obviously you have to have money. But you this know, comes you from think, the oh, this comes from the woman who was like formerly volunteering for how many nonprofits at one time? <laughs> Six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was getting, you know, experience, but yeah, it was like, okay, right. Cannot, but but this is the change you've learned to be a business owner, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. That's incredible. But uh, it, it's interesting now what you said though, because it brings up, it brings up a real challenge that, um, solo practitioners often have, even when you have staff, right, is that if you're the the key person and you don't have, you haven't built out, a, 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 you know, attorneys, you don't have attorneys working, other attorneys working with you, for you um, in your firm, then you may not, when, when situations happen in your firm, you may not have built up a, a situation where you can step away if you need to. Yes. Because you mentioned a couple different things with you with, with the birth of your children, you know, and going through that process and then also an illness. And it, you know, it causes an issue when you're the one who's doing, who's the biller, you know, you're the one that, yes. you're the one who's got a, the attorney in the office, you know, and, 
and your staff can only do so much in those situations if you don't have another lawyer, you know? And that is a big challenge for solos. You're not alone in that. Uh, I, it's something I hear um, a lot. And, and a lot a lot of uh, solo lawyers don't really realize it. You know, we think, oh, I can build a firm, you know, with me and a bunch of right. staff. And they don't really realize it until something happens. And it's like, oh, crap, I didn't think about this. You know, it's not yeah. uncommon. No, you know? totally. And I, I didn't, yeah, I do have, um, like, a, a contract attorney, and, and that's been really helpful, right. um, you know, that she can take um, uncontested matters, you know, to court for me, you know, so that's been really big, and yeah. she's helped the staff, you know, review re, 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 re things, you know, because I don't let um, anything go out the door that, you know, hasn't had an attorney's eyes on it, so that's been really helpful, but yeah, I, and I, I do have um, a group of colleagues, and it's been several years now, you know, that we kind of, you know, that we're all solos or I think uh, one of them you know as partners with her husband and we you know bounce off issues you know off each other and so that, that's mm -hmm. been you know really helpful too because mm -hmm. yeah it, it can get pretty lonely fast and, and you know when when it's when you're the buck stops with you I mean that's that's you know pretty lofty and so important to have you know systems in place and you know set it up so that you can you know get away so that you're not tied to it to it. And I hear you. I think you're speaking to me, Davina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I don't, and I don't think, I mean, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that story and bringing that up today because I think it's something that doesn't get discussed enough. And, and I think there will be a lot of people listening to this that will really benefit from it. So I really appreciate you sharing that because that is, that is a challenge. And, um, and it sounds like you've done some things. I'm sure once, you know, once all these things started happening, you were like, Oh, I need to, I need to, you know, address this. And you've done that in, in, you know, some smart ways, you know, well, when those to... things started happening by, by, sure. you know, making some arrangements and all that kind of stuff with contract journeys and, you know, some fellow, uh, lawyers out there who are similarly situated right and that's a great way to do to do that to do some of that you know so yeah um, go ahead oh i was gonna say i had to yeah rewire rewire my brain almost um yeah. i was a uh, um, someone who um uh, for a, a few different reasons one of them being this um commissioner that uh was just terrible to other women and some other women and me learn how to, um, even if there's a tempest inside, have a calm exterior. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that that um, is not very healthy. And so right. <laughs> I basically had, had to reprogram myself so that I don't, you know, um, keep things in. So either just, you know, if it's not a, if it's a minor issue to just not internalize it at all, or just, you know, positively, you know, deal with, you know, situations that, that give me stress. But it was interesting too, um, in that um, I was, especially with my closet, my health issue, and, and I don't think this is unusual, that I was pretty closeted about it. Um, right when I was, um, they were trying to, and I, I learned in the journey of cancer that, you know, they tell you, you know, this horrible thing, and then it's a very month-long process while they figure out the stage and the grade and, you know, just very, very stress, stressful limbo, limbo period. 
And I had a client come in and he mentioned that his dad had died from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I said, oh, well, they're trying to figure out if I have that. And he said, you know, do I have to find an, a new attorney because you're going to die? You know, ha, 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 ha. And, oh, and, and, wow. I realized, and then I, and then within the week, I kid you not, I had a husband and wife come in and they kind of had smirks on their faces. And he said, we, I just have a question for you. When are you going to die? And, you know, because he, he, they said, you know, we've lost our doctor, we've lost our lawyer, we've lost our accountant. And, you know, so, but um, it just kind of made me feel like, okay, I've got to be in the closet about this. And so, so that was, you know, a little, you know, tricky too, but, wow. um, you know, cause, cause clients are very, you know, candid with me, you know, so for me not to be candid in, in return, but, you know, since that time, um, especially, um, in dealing with families with cancer, I, I have been able to be more candid and, and it has, um, helped me, um, I ask a lot more questions that I wouldn't have asked otherwise. Um, it turns out, um, I didn't realize how many places you can get chemo in greater Seattle. It kind of blew my mind and, Everybody's oncologist is the greatest, but yeah. So just to ask a lot more pointed, you know, questions about you know what people are doing for treatment and and just right. having a better understanding of what they're going through. You know, and I, I, and it's interesting when you when you talk about these clients come in. Of course, you know, it's kind of like shocking and, and appalling what things what things people say. But yeah, it, it goes it goes back to you know. Uh, so many people, you know, get into this notion that uh, that attorneys give and give and give themselves sometimes to the point of to their detriment because they get so emotionally attached to their clients and their clients' outcomes, and and um, you know they begin to look at clients as friends or family or you know that kind of emotional attachment. And then you will hear in a, in an instant and a client will act that way, but then you will hear in an instant, just like that clients are, are viewing and they should, they're viewing you as someone who's providing a service for them. And yes, and it is a real valid concern for them to look and go, wait a minute, what happens if something happens to my attorney? What happens if somebody happens yeah. to my service provider, you know, and that's a, especially sure. when you're dealing with somebody with these really valid, you know, these really complex issues that they're having. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so that does, that tells you two things. One is that you definitely need to have some, some plans and some open communication about, uh, yes, we're a firm that extends beyond me. And, and here's how that works. And, right. and then also that's, that's a real, that should be a huge relief to you because then that should make you very comfortable in establishing boundaries. Yeah. We're a firm <laughs> that extends beyond me. So I don't right. have to put my, I don't have to pour my blood into you. The, you know, yeah. there's, there are limitations, there are boundaries for what I do and provide as well. It's a business. It's a yeah, business. Yeah. So absolutely. A couple of aspects of that. And I, and I've been asked that, um, uh, my husband works for Boeing and you know, Boeing's not going to pick out and completely leave the area. So I feel like we're pretty solid here and I don't intend to take another bar, but, um, I've, 
you know, have clients happen, you know, what if you quit? You know, what if you move away? You know, that's, those are legitimate questions, you know, absolutely. And, And kind of the other side of the coin, you know, it's, I do get to know, you know, clients, you know, quite well, you know, if they're, you know, like a big of one client in particular where um, had a lot of issues with his mother. And then we had a lot of issues, you know, with, with her mother um, or, you know, dealing with their, you know, estate. So, you know, you can deal with the same family with um, you know, multiple uh, planning and, you know, emergent issues. And it's, uh, it's, it's really a privilege. And, you know, yes, it is, it is a practice, you know, absolutely. But um, you do get, you know, close to your clients as well. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been such an interesting conversation, and I went in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to today. <laughs> <laughs> but a wonderful direction, a wonderful direction in in terms of what we talked about, because I think it's going to be so helpful and illuminating for a lot of people, and it's going to give a lot of people food for thought. So I thank you so much for sharing. Um, what for for um, you know, I always ask this question. I know if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, you've heard this. I always ask this question for others who are on the solo to CEO journey who might be behind you and, and a little less experienced uh, than you are in growing their practice. What advice would you have for them as far as growing their business? Um, what would you share? What kind of gold nugget would you have for them? I would say um, for from day one, you know, treat your practice as a business. Um, you know, you are, you know, because for the longest time, you know, I, I talked to a fo- client on the phone and it might take me a few few seconds, but then I could lock in on who that client was. But you're not you're not going to do that um, for much longer if your, plan, if your practice grows. So make sure that you are, you know, creating data on your clients, you know, so you so, the, for example, if you wanted to um, look up how many of your clients um, had this particular issue, you know, that you can easily find that. So you can easily find out, you know, where your referral sources are going. So, just, you know, do that from day one and really seek out um, a good, you know, bookkeeper, um, you know, interview, you know, several people. Ultimately, you know, if that seems like a, a big expense from, from day one, um, just think about how that will free you up, um, not only with your free time, but just, you know, give you, you know, time to practice. So, yes, think of it as, as a business and uh-huh. um, choose an area. Obviously, obviously, there's market things that are market driven, but, you know, that, that you feel passionate about and um, get involved. Um, seek out those organizations that are reputable, that will help you grow and um, just get out, get to know uh, as many uh folks in your greater community, um, you know, for lead generation, you know, just, just to build contacts and, and to build your name within the community. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. I agree with all of that. And that's wonderful, wonderful advice. And I think that's really probably been a lot of um, when you were talking earlier about your, how, how the business has been steady and continuing for you throughout these years. And it sounds like a lot of the key to that for you is, you know, you you really are kind of a master networker <laughs> from early on. You were just kind of mentioning that you would go out and talk, talk with people and you would ask them, you know, three people, you know, name, tell me three other people that I should meet. Um, yes. And that's a really good networking technique. And a lot of people um, str- would struggle to do that. And 
because they're, you know, uncomfortable asking people to introduce them or to, to tell them, you know, to do something for, ask people to do something for them, you know, but that is a wonderful, wonderful technique. And I bet you met so many people that way that maybe, maybe nothing came of it at the moment, but years later, probably really bore fruit for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just those planting those seeds and my, you know, employer at my first firm, you know, he was big at, you know, networking as well. You know, you get, get out there, you know, two, three times a week and meet with people. And yeah, I, I think you'll reap the harvest if you plant those seeds and, um, you know, start to build those relationships um, so that eventually you will be you know, top of line when someone has an issue in your area. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great advice. Um, Beth. So thanks so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. So tell us how we can find you on the interwebs. So uh, I am on Facebook. Um, I have a public page, um, Beth A. McDaniel, and it's also on Facebook. It's the law offices of of Beth A. McDaniel. And then I'm also um, on Twitter, uh, Wa Elderlaw. And I also, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And you have a website. Your website is uh, BethMcDaniel.com. BethMcDaniel.com. Yes. Thank you. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't forget the website. Uh, No. uh, Yeah. So thanks so much for sharing and being here today. And I really appreciate it. This has been a great, uh, great hour together. And I, I appreciate it so much. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. It's been wonderful. The Solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by D. Frederick Media and Marketing and the Solo to CEO system. We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high impact, high revenue generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at law.solotoceo.biz webinar.